Shalom Aleichem and welcome. I'm Shoshana, also known as Zippor Esh, which simply means firebird in Hebrew. Studying and living God's Torah is the fire of my life. <clears throat> Studying God's Torah without application to our lives is meaningless, however. The truth is that we all start at the very beginning of learning the concepts and principles of Torah, and a baby that is crawling will soon be walking. What I share in these podcasts is for those who are crawling because they have already started learning some of the truths of Torah, but are not steady enough for in more rigorous truths that affect our everyday lives. Rabbi Shaul tells us in his letter to the converts in Rome that the Torah is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And he goes on to say that we know that the Torah is spiritual. The objective of God's word is to strengthen the spiritual side of our lives so that we can be people who walk in liberty. Shaul tells the congregation in Corinth in the second letter, chapter 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is Ruach, spirit, and where the Ruach Adonai is, there is freedom. We are liberated from the control of the nefesh soul that only wants to satisfy its selfish nature, not from what the covenant of God's kingdom tells us to do as citizens in his kingdom. His kingdom functions on a higher spiritual level, and all the laws of Torah fulfill spiritual connections with his kingdom. We obey them in this physical level. We celebrate our souls to soar in the spiritual level. So understanding what God expects of us from the Hebrew perspective will give clarity and following God's instructions will meet with success. Trying to understand the Torah from any other cultural mindset only causes confusion and disaster, as we can attest to on a daily basis. People who believe in the Jewish Messiah but don't follow him within his Jewish context walk around daily in turmoil because they don't know what true liberty is as it applies to one who is truly born again into the nation of Israel. Remember, cultures change, mores change, and influences change through the centuries, but God's instructions and expectations of his children never change. Let's begin with the blessing we speak before opening and studying God's word. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher bachar banu michol ha'amim Ve'natan lanu et torato Baruch atah Adonai Noten ha'torah Amen Blessed are you Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has selected us from all the nations and gave us His Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. And the blessing for studying the writings of the apostles. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, who is good and does good, and who proclaims the good news of redemption through Messiah Yeshua. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, Redeemer of Israel. This is the fourth and final week of the month of Elul. The month of extreme grace. The last day of Elul is September 30th. God is totally focused on his humans, looking for those who have put away the sins of our fallen nature that rebel against God's holy Torah. 
How often, as parents, do we give our children a time of grace to come clean about something that has been done that brought damage to something or someone? Why do we do this? Because we want them to learn how important it is to admit when they disobey so that they can correct and repair. It is the same with how God interacts with us. As the Heavenly Father, he de- His desire is that we acknowledge our disobedience, repent and repair the damage, and the month of Elul is God's time of grace to do this. Elul is the month just before the changing of the year date in celebration of God's creation of the universe. It is at creation that God gave us a mandate to rest on the seventh day from all our creative processes, and just walk with God in the garden. In my last podcast, I talked a little about God's holy days and how they are given as a blessing from the creator of the universe to those who embrace them. As we move toward the day of the Feast of Trumpets, also called Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year, we must needs be cognizant of what God is doing daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly, as He has ordained it in His Torah instructions. Not only is the Shabbat day a physical day, it is also it also has a spiritual import. In the study portion today, we are focusing more on the spiritual side. As this is the last week of this very holy time, I bring to you today a choice. Will you continue living in turmoil or will you admit that you have followed a life of misinformation and find kingdom rest through embracing God's holy Torah, the culture of God's kingdom? I have titled this podcast, Kingdom Rest. The focus of scripture today is Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 through 12. Before we read this passage, though, we need to gain context of what the writer is saying. He is comparing the life of Israel as they wandered in the desert, complaining, slandering, fighting with each other, mocking Moses, slandering their God by doubting his provision, giving in to fear of the unknown, and ultimately all but two missed out on the promise. With the mindset of what was going on within the various sects of Judaism as it related to what was going on in Israel under the rule of Rome. Do I need to clarify that? He was comparing what was going on in the wilderness with what was going on in Israel under the rule of Rome. The bickering and fighting among the sects of Judaism, the whole scale abandoning of the faith by thousands of Jews was giving them anything but rest and the rejection of the one by some of the religious leaders who paid the price for restoring the covenant of the first tablets. And that was the hottest topic. Even as some of the people rejected Moses as their savior and leader, the writer is making it obvious that the pattern was repeating But he doesn't want it to end the same way the second time. So with this in mind, let's read our verses. Let us fear then. Though a promise of entering his rest is left open, some of you would seem to have fallen short. We also have had good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the word they heard did not help them because they were not unified with those who listened in faith. 
And that word faith means faith and obedience. For we have trusted, for we who have trusted are entering into that rest. It is just as God has said. So in my wrath, I swore they shall never enter my rest, even though his works were finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall never enter my rest. So then it remains for some to enter into it. Yet those who formerly had good news proclaimed to them did not enter because of disobedience. Again, God appoints a certain day today, saying through David after so long a time, just as it had been said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So there remains a Shabbat rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered God's rest has also ceased from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing right through to a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How many times have we said or heard someone say, but God knows my heart? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. There are a lot of theological ideas floating around in religious circles about the subject of rest in Yeshua. But how many of them give a concrete understanding? I, for one, have never heard a really satisfying teaching on this text outside of Jewish commentaries. The concept of biblical rest has not been fully explored in the fractured religious cultures. Many people depend on the knowledge of seminary student-turned-ministers for an understanding, but these ministers are only teaching what their teachers taught them from the knowledge they learned from their teachers, and most of them have never read a Jewish commentary that explains the Hebrew concepts of the Bible. Knowledge is helpful, but if the summation is incomplete, how can we possibly know the deepest intent of God's Word? Let's take a journey through Bible history. The Bible will interpret itself as we see it unfold. Genesis opens with God. Everything that followed was about God and who He is and what He does. This is His story. When he created a universe that could sustain life, it was for his pleasure. It is his domain, his kingdom, if you will. In the garden, he walked and talked with his created beings made in his image. Why was it necessary to be created in his image? He had created all manner of creatures that he could communicate with, but he didn't stop until he had created a being that he could connect with heart and soul. Think about this. There were plenty of created beings dwelling in his presence, but he still created the universe. What seems to be the difference between those first beings and us? Well, first off, 
They were dwelling in the immediate revealed presence of God, while we live in a different dimension where seeing God's dwelling place is impossible without Holy Spirit enabling us. Why is this significant? Is this just some cruel joke, or is there a much more noble reason? Could it be because we were created in His image? So what does it mean to be created in His image, and why? From the beginning, we were created to have intimate fellowship with our Creator. The foundation of our fellowship was different from that of the first beings. They were created to do the commands of God. We were created to have fellowship, to be friends and co-workers of God's instructions and purposes. The man, created out of the dust of perfection, was to be a co-worker of the Creator in sustaining and enabling God's character to be revealed in how this universe functioned. Unfortunately, in this beautiful perfection came a rebellious seed. There was another being in the garden whose job it was to test the couple to see if it could get Adam and Eve to reach beyond their created purpose before it was God's perfect timing. Up to this point, the character and the purposes of God were being fulfilled in the garden domain. After this being's interference, the domain of God was altered through Adam's ability to exercise free will. At this point, you may be asking, but what does this have to do with rest? Adam's first full day on the earth was God's Shabbat day. It was to be on the first day of the week that Adam was supposed to start working God's garden. Adam's function in the garden was to tend God's business, watching over everything that dwelt in the garden. It was easy because God was the sustainer of everything that lived. Afterward, Adam had to supply for his own needs. He was now living for his own purposes instead of God's. He was no longer a co-worker with God in his domain. The rest was in working in tandem with God to accomplish God's purposes. Living according to God's Torah is what brought the rest. Anything outside of God's purposes is working for self-purposes, and there is no rest physically or spiritually in that. This is why Yeshua said over and over, the kingdom of God is like. In the king's domain, there is rest from our striving for selfish purposes that only cause the fruit of the flesh to grow. In the letter to the Galatian congregation, Shaul tells us very clearly what this fruit is. He also tells us what the fruit of God's character is. If you don't already know which chapter, chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. My paraphrase goes like this. Brothers, you were called to be free of the control of the selfish nature that strives to do things your own way. Instead, Serve each other in a love that has no selfish demands. For the whole of the heart of God revealed in His regulations is summed up in this one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you continue to let your selfish agenda rule you, you will live a life that destroys others in your need to survive and all will eventually be destroyed. This attitude is reflected in the situational ethics teachings of the world. Carrying on, what I am saying is that if you will live your life by the purposes of God's domain revealed in His eternal covenant, you will not be driven to self-fulfillment at any cost. 
Self-interest is in opposition to the character of God and His purposes. Because you are still controlled by self-interest, you cannot fully do the purposes of God's kingdom with ease. But if you have given up your selfish need to control your life and have signed on to do God's kingdom purposes, you will no longer struggle to follow the ways of the kingdom established in the beginning. It is evident what the selfish nature produces, sexual immorality, impurity and vulgarity, participation in demonic service and the use of mind-altering drugs, keeping grudges, fighting, jealousy, uncontrolled anger, selfish ambition, divisions in relationships, deception for benefit, lack of self-control and things of this nature. I warn you, as I have warned you before, anyone who has a lifestyle of such will not live within the rest of the kingdom of God. They will be outside of God's provision and protection and subject to the consequences of a life of selfish purpose. But the fruit produced in agreement with God's dominion purposes is unselfish love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness to the character of God's heart, humility, self-control. In the regulations of the kingdom of God, there is nothing that stands against these attributes. Furthermore, those who belong to the kingdom of God because of Yeshua the Messiah have put the old selfish nature to death on the stake, along with its passions and desires. Since it is through the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the heart of God in action, that we have eternal life, let it be through this same Spirit that we order our everyday lives and purposes. Let us not let our old nature rise up again in conceit, thinking we have arrived at perfection, thus condemning others or in provoking and envying each other as these are contrary to the Torah heart of God. Does this give a deeper meaning to our role? We know very well the consequences of living like the world where one sin leads to another and to another, never really being satisfied physically, mentally, or emotionally. Our souls only find rest when we embrace God's word as our will. There is an old hymn entitled, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Let's look at some of the lines in this hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And the second verse, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back. <clears throat> what does the first line really mean? Who is this man you have decided to follow? Is he the Jewish Messiah who came to redeem Israel and to open a way for the nations to join with Israel? If you have decided to follow this man, then is your life a true reflection of a Jewish man who lives according to the Torah of God? What of the second line? The world behind me, the cross before me. Do you still look like the world in your actions and habits? Or are you being an example of that that looks like the life of the apostles? Don't forget, they were Jewish men who followed the faith of Yeshua, who was a Jewish rabbi in high standing with the people. 
Are you following the biblical calendar where God reveals his eternal plans? The the third line says, Though none go with me, still I will follow. Are you still following the ways of the cultures around you? Do you still adhere to their festivals, replacing God's festivals with them? Narrow is the road that leads to the kingdom, and few find their way, especially if they believe that the Torah of God is canceled. If God was not okay with Israel blending pagan festivals with their worship of himself, how can the adopted children think that God is okay with their continuance of embracing the pagan festivals that replace his holy appointed days? The last line is an invitation for you. Will you now decide to follow the Jewish Messiah by doing God's Torah, becoming a complete disciple of the way Yeshua lived? As a Jewish man who obeyed every one of God's commands and rejecting the philosophies of the world that worship demons and celebrate angels and demons in their festivals. Every festival of Christendom has hatred of the Jews as its foundation. Can you continue to throw Yeshua under the bus and insult his blood by participating in those very holidays? God's festivals are a special set-apart holy day where he says he will meet with his faithful covenant people. The rest that God wants for us is to walk in communion with his heart and purposes for his creation. And it is through knowing his teachings revealed in the Torah and expounded on in the rest of the Bible that shows us what is important to him. It is not about about what is important to us. It is his kingdom, not ours. And as his kingdom is diametrically opposed to the way of the pagan cultures in the world, we have to sever any connection with that which replaces God's own commands for his kingdom citizens. It is only through Torah obedience that we will truly find the rest that Yeshua desires for us. When we live in opposition of kingdom law, we will always be struggling because our souls yearn for the pleasures of the world when our spirits yearn for the holiness of God's Torah. Yeshua is coming for a people who are sold out to his kingdom and purposes. His laws and precepts are revealed to us through the record of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the Holy Spirit was given so that we would want to follow the ways of God and His heart and character as the Holy Spirit writes God's Torah on our hearts. Yeshua lived the precepts of God's heart so that we could see what that looked like. All of His teachings were straight out of the Torah and the instructions passed down through the ages from the judges of Israel. If you've been told that these books are not for today, then you really don't have a good picture of the nature of God. If you say that the Ten Commandments are God's word, but don't follow all of them in their correct context, then you still don't understand the depths of God's desire for fellowship with you. God himself tells us in Exodus 20, verse 2, I am the Lord your God. In my paraphrase, this command reads, I, the one who gives you my soul in writing, am the Lord who, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt. He removed them from the bondage to Pharaoh. In this same way, Yeshua gave us rest from the bondage of Satan's culture. These commands, or more accurately translated connections, are the foundation of God's kingdom, and everything else was written 
so that we could understand how God wants his kingdom citizens to live connected to him in it. These commands are the very heart of God, his perfect character and nature. We were created in his image so that we could reproduce his heart. If you have rejected the words of Torah, is your life a true reflection of God's heart? Put on the whole armor of God. But put on the whole word of God as your armor, your priestly garments, and run to the battle. Internalizing God's Torah is the strength you will need to wield your weapons against the evil temptations that assault us from every side, just as Satan tempted Eve in the garden. May we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand that Yeshua is calling us to a greater commitment to His kingdom, not to religious organizations or denominations that seem to be working for God, but to His kingdom purposes lived out in our homes and in our neighborhoods. Twelve ordinary men brought their culture back into agreement with God's Torah while serving Yeshua's commission, sold out to God like these men so can we. Abba, Father God, how far we have been led astray from your nature. We have been deceived into believing that your Torah, your heart revealed on paper, your words for life have been done away with by the very one who was the living example of your heart. In these last days, remove the veil that covers our eyes so that we can see the depth of your heart revealed in your living word, given in the beginning, in Yeshua. Help us to see the extremes that you have gone to just to bring us back into fellowship with you as it was in the garden in the beginning. It is this fellowship that produces the rest that we see in Hebrews chapter 4. Help us see where we have engaged in our own works so that we can crucify our selfish nature and become true reproductions of your heart and character so that we can be the light and salt that those trapped in the kingdom of darkness can see and taste, so that they can be set free from the bondage that drives selfish survival and ultimately self-destruction and death outside of your kingdom provision and protection. Abba, fulfill your purposes in and through us for your glory, for the merit of Yeshua's glorious name. Amen. May Holy Spirit flood you with insatiable desire to know God's heart and follow His righteous ways and kingdom culture. Since we will be living according to God's Torah instructions when Yeshua returns as King, wouldn't it be a good idea to be learning how to live like it now as members of that kingdom? Let us finish with the blessing. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah imet, vechaye olam nata betocheinu, baruch gata Adonai, noten ha Torah. Amen. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who gave us his Torah of truth and implanted eternal life within us. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. And the new blessing for finishing our good news study. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King 
of the universe, our King, Redeemer, Savior, and Shield, who sent Messiah Yeshua, the King of Israel, to ransom your beloved ones. Blessed are you, Adonai, who renews his covenant in love. If you are truly ready to be a victorious disciple of Yeshua, you can start by feasting daily on Yeshua through studying what God's Torah requires of you as his child. This is how you can abide in Yeshua and his words can abide in you. You can start growing in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word by watching the live stream feed of Sar Shalom Synagogue every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Sar Shalom Synagogue, the blue ribbon logo, YouTube has video recordings going back at least five years. I suggest starting with the messages from the last Shabbat of October 2016. These messages start with Genesis, which is the best place to start. If you want to see how Yeshua fits within the whole of the Bible narrative, you can also tune into Lapid Judaism, the blue logo, with Rabbi Mordecai Griffin on YouTube Live for the daily and Aliyah a day teaching each day, Monday through Friday at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time or on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can also watch the past Aliyah episodes on Anchor Podcast. If you are looking for training in spiritual attributes, you will find Musar for Sar Shalom Women live on the Lapid Judaism channel and on Anchor as Musar with Batya. It is not just for women, though. There are several resources I would like to recommend if you're ready for deeper personal study. If you have the Anchor app on your cell phone, you can also access the teachings of Shomer Man, S-H-O-M-E-R-M-A-N, and Super Time, one word, uh, capital S and capital T, and Thomas and Jenea for more clarity and interesting insights for understanding God's Word. I also want to encourage you to purchase a Bible that is Judaism-centered. Uh, many concepts in Judaism are lost uh, that are not translatable or trans, yeah, I guess translatable, um, into the English if translated from the Greek focus. Many important concepts are lost. Um, I encourage you to get either uh, the Tree of Life um, Bible or you can um, order the Dalich Hebrew Gospels from uh, published by Vine of David. Um, I would also encourage you to get a Jewish uh, Torah. You can get the Chumash, C-H-U-M-A-S-H, Art Scroll. You can get the Gutnik, G-U-T-N-I-C-K, uh, Chumash. Um, there are several more that um, are good. Um, choose one, buy it, and um, start really learning what the Bible says from the biblical perspective. Shalom and have a great week.